He's controversial. 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now, he's outspoken. You will tell your kids, and your grandkids, and your great, great grandkids. And he tells it like it is. That you watched a great athlete named the franchise, and he was the greatest world heavyweight champion of all time. He is the franchise Shane Douglas, and you are listening to the Triple Threat Podcast. Prepare to get your ass franchised. Triple Threat Podcast being brought to you today here on the two-man power trip of wrestling podcasting empire. If you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and as always, I'm joined on the two-man power trip by my tag team partner, the one and only JP, the very lovable JP. And on this show for 60 glorious episodes, we get to call him not only our tag team partner, but our very good friend, the one and only franchise Shane Douglas. Shane, how the hell are you doing tonight? I'm, wait a second. I'm curious. After 60, 60 episodes, it finally caught my ear. Why does JP get called lovable and I just get called Shane Douglas? It's, what, am I not lovable and huggable and all that kind of good stuff? Nothing against you, JP, but I just get sort of introduced like the uh, and then the other guy. He's not, he's not lovable. He's not mean and irascible. He's just Shane Douglas. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you both can have that curmudgeon face sometimes, so I don't know how lovable both of you would be. <laughs> but uh, nonetheless, we're here for 60 episodes. Uh, we got a shitload to talk about, and we're going to do some fun stuff because, Shane, we talked about it last week. You're going to be flying off into the glorious land of Australia in the next couple of weeks, so we've got a lot of two, uh, triple threat business to attend to. But uh, we gotta uh, we gotta cover a lot of ground. So if you're ready to strap in, uh, there's one huge topic that we gotta talk about. What's that? <laughs> well, before I get rolling into it, I just want to say uh, I'm gonna welcome in JP. JP, really quick before we get rolling into it, can I say we've been waiting on bated breath for this guy for the last couple of days to start talking about what we're about to talk about or what? I mean, I, I talked to him last week just after it happened. And I've been dying to talk about it on the show ever since. I've been chomping at the bit here. I'm waiting to hear the old franchise go off on a certain VKM. <laughs> Shane, are you ready? I, I am, but I, I think I'm going to tell you guys. I think you guys have way overplayed this. I think it's uh, 
Shoot the question and I'll answer. No, no, no. I'm not even going to go there yet. I'm going to read you some stuff first. I like to do this. I'm going to. I'm actually turning my laptop <laughs> towards my PC so I can read some of these fan reactions to what occurred not on this past week's SmackDown, but the previous week's SmackDown, uh, which I got a I got a screenshot text message from uh, JP. He showed me what was going on. I went right to Twitter and I started to jot these bad boys down. How about we start with this one? I'm a huge wrestling fan, but how the hell do you even put these three in the ring and label them as the triple threat? This is a disgrace. One of my favorite stables is the true hashtag triple threat. This fires me up. How about this one? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Smackdown Live. Cut the effing music. This is not the triple threat. There is only one triple threat. How about this one? And this one's a little more inflammatory. Those jobbers are not the triple threat. We don't want to throw anybody under the bus right now, but we'll get to that. I love the triple threat so much back in the day, I felt offended by that trio that was on the screen earlier. The triple threat? I think not. Shane Douglas and Dean Malenko might have something to say about that. Hashtag use your head, SmackDown Live. I'm sorry, but this triple threat will all, the, the triple threat will always be Shane Douglas, Bam Bam Bigelow, Chris Candido, not these jabronis, SmackDown Live, WTF. You want me to keep going? I got a couple more. How about, oh, this is one. I'll just close it out with this. It, it's basically the same vein. How about this one? Complete disrespect, and I'm sure Vince was chuckling it up over it, thinking he was clever. Shane, the triple threat made an appearance on SmackDown last week, but it wasn't who we expected. What are your thoughts on the usage of the name triple threat being used for three enhancement talents on this recent edition of SmackDown? Well, first of all, uh, no, I did not watch that episode. I don't watch that product. So I didn't see it when it happened. Uh, and I wouldn't see if they did it again next week. Um, the uh, First of all, nothing against the three kids that had done it, uh, that were put in that position. Um, but look, I, I can go out in my backyard and spend some time carving foreheads and might look like, with my artistic skill, might look like four uh, coconuts or four Vincent Manns. But in the overall scheme of things, I don't think I can call that Mount Rushmore. Um, there are certain things you do and don't do uh, in, in, in our business. We'll keep it confined to our business. There is a reason you don't go out and, like the old song says, you don't spit, uh, you don't pull on Superman's cape, you don't spit into the wind. And the reason is for ob obvious uh, reasons to most people. Maybe VKM is uh, not most people. Maybe he's got a little screwless and doesn't quite understand. Maybe he spits in the wind daily and gets it back in his face. Um, you know, if you go out and you say something derogatory about the four horsemen, and I say I brought that one up first with full intention because everybody knows my uh, personal deals with, with, with Ric Flair. But the four horsemen are written in stone. You can try to change it. You can take a picture and alter it and Photoshop it if you want. But people remember the four horsemen as they were, as the symbol of excellence, as, you, you know, every time you say you still see Arn and Tully holding the four fingers up, right? Uh, you just don't do it because there's some things you don't touch. Uh, no country music star today goes out and calls themselves the man in black or the woman in black. Uh, most people are intelligent enough to do that. And yet I think 
with, and before I go any further, let me just say thank you to all the fans that have been responding in that way. I haven't, as everybody has seen, I have not been on Twitter for the last week. I've been just extraordinarily busy with trying to get a bunch of personal things and just life straightened out before I take off to go to Australia, a trip I'm really looking forward to. So I haven't had a chance to get on and answer anybody personally, which I usually try to do on Twitter. But I, I think Vince probably got the earful back that he needed to from that. Uh, but since Vince seems to be stuck on uh, some wrestler from ECW from 20 years ago, uh, Vince, I'm sure you can find my phone number. If you want help with your ratings, give me a call. I'd be happy to sell them to you. Uh, or you can continue in default and free fall like you are. If I were an investment group, like say Merrill Lynch or Charles Schwab, I would think twice in wanting to invest in a company that wanted to invoke something from 20 years ago in such a derogatory way and shit on so many fans as DKM did uh, last week and got his earful back for it. But maybe there will be something for them to invest in in the very near future that may be a better and more worthwhile investment. It's just crazy to look. I'm still reading some of these as you're talking, and I didn't read a couple of them, but it, the general consensus is it's an insult. It's uh, crapping on the legacy of what you guys laid the foundation of an ECW. To use a name like the Triple Threat, well, go ahead. Look, I don't want to cut you off, um, but the fact that when people say the triple threat, to, to you know, in full disclosure, Dean Malenko and I are the only remaining members of the triple threat. Uh, the fact that I'm sorry, Brian Lee as well. So me, Brian Lee, and 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 Dean Malenko. But the fact that I think when most people say triple threat, they think of Shane Douglas and Francine, Chris Candido, and Bam Bam Bigelow. So for that company to take a slap at a group that two of the guys are dead and gone way too early. I think just shows the amount of class that that company has uh, classless. Maybe we got to start calling them the world classless wrestling federation. Uh, just you know, pathetic. Is this what they resort to now that their ratings have dropped at this point? Now here's a further point. When I was there in 95, 96, uh, I wanted to take shots at other companies for WWF. And Vince told me at that point, we don't do that here, pal. We, we, that gives them credence. We stay above that. So apparently the ratings have dropped to the point that the mighty Vince McMahon must now think we've got to start taking shots at deities from the past in our industry, uh, things that are written in stone so that we can try to get the ratings up. The sad thing is that Vince won't send a paycheck for residuals for what he's doing and invoking that. Um, you know, I, I think we've already spent too much time on this, but I think the fans, to be honest with you, have. My, my advice to the fans would be stop watching. Stop paying attention to the garbage. And maybe then they would get back to what our industry is supposed to be, and maybe the ratings might turn around. What were they 10 years ago? What were they nine years ago, eight years ago, seven years ago, six years ago, five years ago, four years ago, three years ago, last year, the year before that, and what will they be next year? You can see the trend. You can get, Don't take my word for it. 
do your own investigation, and then ask yourself, is there a genius in that company? If so, <laughs> I'm sure they ain't trying to figure out uh, inventing the light bulb. See, I think, you know, John and I, and as much as we've been talking about it over the last week, I mean, as, as fans and, and as also doing this show with you, you know, it hit home for us because not that you want to say anybody's an enhancement talent and going to talk down about that because everybody has a role. And these three kids that were, were playing the sure. role of the triple threat, in 10 years, the three, they could be the three top guys in the business for all we know. You never know. Obviously, Absolutely. you're a great example. You're you're doing jobs in 1986 for Paul Orndorff and Butch Reed and Harley Race and and the Macho Man. And look what you ended up doing in your career. So I don't want to disparage the guys who were playing the role. And I know that's kind of what not at all. That's kind of what I think a lot of people need to really look at. It's not the guys that were playing it. They were told go out to the ring. They probably didn't even know they were going to be called the Triple Threat. For all we know, they they probably just went out to the Correct. ring and knew they were getting squashed by guys that like. Let's look at the crux of it. And Shane, I know you haven't seen the match, and you know I I was able to see a clip of it. I'm not watching WWE anymore. I am done. I, I I tapped out. It's not for me anymore. I can't do it. I'm not gonna try to sound like I'm holier than thou. It's just not for me anymore. And, and I like Luke Harper. I'm not a big fan of the other guy, Eric Rowan. But let's talk about an unsafe handicap match. I mean, it was not something that I would hang my hat on. And you're calling these guys a triple threat. I mean, it just, it had a recipe for disaster. But I heard the one line. It said, uh, I'm sure Vince is chuckling it up over thinking it was clever. I'm going to throw it out there and say that a writer probably pitched that to him. And that he did have to give it the final say. But I'm sure that somebody thought they were getting cute and, and throwing the triple threat out there in a disparaging way. Would you agree with that in some way? Well, whether it was him or them, I mean, my question would be, if it was the writer, I wouldn't hang my hat too heavily on the what you've been writing and the ratings you've been getting. Back in the day when I remember the WWF garnering sevens and eights uh, and high sixes, uh, I wouldn't hang my hat too highly and send out that resume and say, hey, I'm the guy that's been writing for WWE as the ratings are dropping through the floor. Um, you know, this is the company that Vince McMahon has created. You know, no, everybody's a yes man. Everybody kiss Vince's ass literally or figuratively. And if you're not, you're gone. My, my question is, where is everybody's pride? Has, any, has everybody just become so complacent that I'll kiss his ass on television or I'll kiss his ass figuratively here in the back, but just keep kissing ass. Sorry. My lips have been chapped most of my life. I've never been one to put my lips on a nice smooth ass of some other guy or person. Uh, boggles my mind. Boggles my mind that anybody would hang their hat on that. Uh, I'm sure Chris Candido's family, I'm sure Bam Bam Bigelow's sons and daughter, uh, are very appreciative of that from the genius. Um, but I don't want to give it more credence than it's supposed to get. I mean, obviously not many people have watched it. And my guess is less will be watching next week, next month, next year. I think we've spoken enough about that piece of shit. Let's move on. I just though have a question for you because obviously Vince isn't the writer of SmackDown or the booker of SmackDown. It is the road dog, Brian James. Do you have any prior history with him? I mean, obviously, you guys kind of were in TNA for a bit together and things like that. But any history there? Because he would surely know 
as he's writing the show and booking it that week, that the triple threat is not really the triple threat. But again, we, we don't know from outside looking in, and I certainly wouldn't know from not watching that show in about 10 years uh, who's doing what there. Yeah, I've got an extensive history with Brian. Brian and I had always got along great. Um, my guess is this, if I had to guess at this point, was this was something that was put in very intentionally. I doubt that some low-level writer snuck this in on, on the uh, itinerary. And, uh, you know, again, I, I think it reeks of desperation for the WWF. W, you know, I'm still going to call them World Wrestling Federation because nobody knows who the WWE is. Uh, that, that reeks of desperation that they're trying to dump on something that the fans hold in such reverence. Uh, obviously trying to poke some reaction out of me. And I, like I said, I, I've spoken as much as I'm going to on that. I don't watch the show anymore. I couldn't tell you who probably 70% of the crew is. And, uh, but I do know who Vince is. Uh, Vince is the guy who told Ivan Koloff, uh, that he doesn't run a fucking welfare company. When, uh, Ivan inquired about a legends contract and, and stating the reason being he wanted to walk down the beach one time with his wife without pain before he died. And Vince told him he doesn't run a fucking welfare company. So, uh, with all due respect, I think I've spoken enough about that piece of garbage. It is crazy that the triple threat is, is still being mentioned in 2018, but I mean by WWE because they seem to always forget good old Shane Douglas, especially when they're naming ECW things and they're having ECW shows on the network. They seem to purposely ignore you. Like not that long ago, there was they had the divas and the different guys dressing up as ECW stars, and you know they had. Uh, Becky Lynch was Tommy Dreamer, and somebody was dressed up as Sandman and Raven. But and it was weird that you were forgotten about it in that in that you know photo shoot. Thank God! But if I were running that show, I would sure as hell try to invoke something from the original ECW too, because the show, quite frankly, sucks. <laughs> so I would I'd invoke WCW, I'd invoke NWA, I'd invoke UWF, ECW. Hell, I'd invoke Ring of Honor and TNA. Because what they're doing sure as hell ain't working. So when people think of Triple Threat, like you were saying, they do think of Candido, Bam Bam, Francine, and obviously yourself. Would you say do you, that you could possibly have a favorite Triple Threat? I mean, that one does have the longevity of it and the, the, the star power. So would that be your favorite Triple Threat? Well, uh, to be clear, you know, I, when I first conceived of the idea for the Triple Threat, uh, it, it stemmed directly from, you know, coming into the business in the shadow of the four horsemen, every wrestling company I'd ever watched, uh, from six years old on had a dominant heel stable. And, uh, whether it was the house of Humperdinck and Florida championship wrestling, the four horsemen in the NWA and, uh, Georgia championship wrestling and, and WCW, uh, whether it was hot stuff international or Bad Street USA uh, in uh, uh, UWF, there was always some heel stable that ran roughshod in, 
just really had its way in the promotion. And I knew that if ECW was going to go anywhere, it would have to have the same type of thing. And when I looked around the dressing room, I, I mean, this is literally how I conceived the idea. Looking around the dressing room and I saw Benoit sitting there and met Malenko sitting there. And I thought, boy, if you put the three of us together, you know, there's three very different flavors there. You know, Chris, just the guy that could do just about anything. Dean, who was the total consummate Matt wrestler, man of a thousand holds. And Shane Douglas, the big mouth, right? That if you put these three together, you know, what kind of magic could we create? And I think we did. And I, I think had that incarnation stuck together, had had Dean and Chris not left for greener pastures, money-wise, and, and WCW, that it would have done huge things in, in ECW. Unfortunately, that those two had to make that decision for themselves. And when they left, the interim incarnation was Brian Lee. You know, that's when I got the idea of the big guy and, you know, Malenka. I could cross over Malenko and Benoit and Candido. And I think that one could have done something. And I, to this day, I don't know whatever happened, but Brian Lee just sort of disappeared. And uh, then Bam Bam, luckily had come into the company right at that same exact time. And so it was like like the pieces of the puzzle just falling into place. You know, here's Chris Candido, who everybody that's ever heard me talk knows what a fan I was of his. Aside from him being my brother, uh, he was just an incredible in-ring performer. And, and I think in some ways the triple threat uh, helped Chris too, because Chris's problem, I think, in my estimation, was that Chris didn't have a lot of confidence, self-confidence, uh, was an incredible in-ring talent, and didn't have that self-confidence to go out there and evoke beyond Chris Candido, which I think every great wrestling talent has to be able to do. And I think the triple threat allowed him to do that. Suddenly had this, this shield of this group to sort of stick on as he went out and talked. And I, and, and I saw Chris... Like come out of his his shell, if that makes sense. Bam Bam Bigelow, I mean, what can you say about him? I mean, phenomenal on every level. Just an incredible big man that, you know, I always hear like, you know, he's the greatest big man, one of the greatest big men, that kind of thing. To me, Bam Bam Bigelow was a great, great talent. You don't need to put big man in there because he could get in the ring with Spike Dudley and have a five-star match and get in the ring with Undertaker and have a five-star match. It was what Bam Bam Bigelow was capable of doing. The bigger thing to me with Bam Bam was that the genius up north couldn't, couldn't figure out how to make money with him. <laughs> Bam Bam Bigelow, I mean, any wrestling fan out there listening could, you know, you know, is right now chuckling to themselves because uh, he was such a godsend for ECW because here he had come with all this fanfare behind him. He had been at WrestleMania and all these other places. Uh, had you know been a world-renowned name in wrestling, and suddenly here he is in ECW, right at the exact same time that ECW is launching off this pad. And you know, like I said, like the geniuses couldn't figure out what to do with him, and here he comes into ECW and came with absolutely, and that was Scott, Bam Bam. He had no pretense. Hey, I'm a big star. I've been at WrestleMania. He would go out and make Bam, uh, 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 Spike Dudley look like a star, make a Chris Chetty look like a star, a Mikey Whipwreck, Shane Douglas, or whoever. 
he would get in that ring in ECW with whomever he was in that ring with and make them look like a star. And that was Bam Bam's true genius was that he came with no pretense of, I'm a big star, can't do that. And th that was the whole flavor of ECW. He fit in so well there. And when you put the three of us together, you know, you, you, it sounds like a cliche, but truly the sum of the, uh, of the entity was bigger than the, the sum of the parts. Shane Douglas by himself, Chris Candido by himself, Bam Bam Bigelow by himself was not nearly as dominant as the triple threat and you putting those three together and then put Francine next to us. Uh, and I give Paul Heyman credit that he, when that incarnation came to be, and I've been pushing for this in the earlier incarnations, but it wasn't until Chris and Bam Bam and myself with Francine, uh, that Paul did what I've been asking for from the beginning you've got to allow us to, to just be super dominant. You know, if you're going to get this entity over. And I think at that point, <clears throat> luckily, and for, from Paul's point of view, he hadn't done it earlier because uh, Chris and Dean left so quickly. And then, like I said, Brian was gone so quickly, but by the, so had he done this earlier, it may not have worked or it may have fizzled out. But at the point in ECW when the tag straps, the TV strap, the world strap were all in the ECW. And I remember us standing there holding all these belts as we we're doing our promos. You, you could feel the heat through the camera. You know, this, this asshole has surrounded himself with this incredible talent and you could just feel the heat that it was evoking. Uh, <laughs> something that, Another little federation up north seems to have forgotten that thing called heat. Uh, that is what draw, what drives our business. And the triple threat, I'm proud to say, and that little company in Philadelphia for those seven years was able to leave that large a spam that a multi-billion dollar company would be ready to evoke us to try to draw ratings to try to draw a response. <laughs> A, I take it in a big sense of pride, and, and I got to laugh and scoff at because uh, the wrestling fans, as you saw in, in those comments on Twitter, I, like I said, I haven't been on there, but you had sent them to me and, and just reiterated them. Uh, I love it. I love that the fans get what we were trying to do in ECW and did in ECW, and I don't think it's happenstance that we haven't seen that repeated in the industry since. Now, the all-in show coming up next week, open fanfare. The fact that uh, Ring of Honor and New Japan have sold out Madison Square Garden. What did, what did Vince used to call that? The mecca of professional wrestling? Uh, seems like there's a lot of pressure on Vince, so I could see why he might be trying to take stabs at the past because the pressure seems to be on right now. That, uh, that's a great point about the, the garden being the Mecca, because I have a theory about that that we can go into at another time, about uh, who's calling what Mecca a Mecca now in the WWE. But one thing that I kind of find, uh, well, I mean, look, I mean, I'll just say it right now. Triple H and Stephanie, if they're kind of the keys to a lot of the things going on, the WWE has taken Brooklyn on as its home now. 
and Madison Square Garden was left out like it was a piece of garbage. And I give New Japan and Ring of Honor all the credit in the world for uh, for hey, for sneaking in the back door and getting it done. You know, it's crazy that you WWF. That's what I think of too, Shane. WWF and Madison Square Garden every month, every friggin' month. You're in there, and you, you see a, a marquee match, and it's unbelievable to see the atmosphere. Now, they're in Brooklyn for four days this past week. They were in Brooklyn from Saturday through Tuesday. I mean, so the, the mecca well, for them is Brooklyn now. Well, don't you find it sort of chicken shit that you have contracts that say, you know, no entity can run wrestling in this building for X amount of days before and X amount of days after? If I, if I really believe I'm the dominant promotion, if I really believe no one can compete, if I really believe I'm that far ahead of everybody, I'll challenge you. Come into my building. Let's see what you draw, and let's see what we draw. Uh, but if you've got to rely on contracts to, keep, to knowingly and willfully keep entities out, and most, most people would call that a monopoly or attempted a monopoly, um, most sentient people. Uh, but if you've got to resort to that to protect your business interest, then maybe you ain't as dominant as you think you are. Maybe you ain't as great as you think you are. Maybe you're not what you once were, and now I have to rely on something else to try to maintain that. I think, you know, to me, I, I grew up in the shadow in Pittsburgh, obviously, with the old WWWF, and then, you know, grew up on WWF. And then getting into the business, the WWF and you know, the NWA, uh, I remember when that company, in my mind, you know, especially being from Pittsburgh, did seem to be the dominant company for much of my career. It seemed like that company was, was a dominant company. Now that they're suddenly starting to invoke uh, things from the past like that to try to garner interest in the ratings, I'd like to just see the fans for, say, a month, for four weeks, just tune out, just to tell, just to send Vince their feelings on what they're doing. If they love it, tune in. If you think that show's great, tune in more than, than you have been and watch it. But if you think the show, like me, sucks, in other words, if you think, like me, that the show sucks, uh, then tune out for a month. And in five weeks, Go back and watch it again, just so that Vince can see in his own head that, well, for those four weeks, the, the show dropped and came back. My guess is, you know, well, I mean, what's next? Does he start, like, dumping on, on The Undertaker? Does he start dumping on The Four Horsemen? Does he start dumping on Eddie Gilbert? He's dead, too. I mean, after all, he can't say anything back. Why not dump on him, too? Uh, it, it is such a lame, pathetic so far beneath what I would expect from the NFL of our industry. Uh, but remember at one time in our industry, there were uh, two entities before it became the NFL and one became dominant and one faded into history. Uh, crazier things have happened in, in our industry. And, you know, it's, uh, I think if Vince is having to rely on taking shots at things from 20 years ago, with, with with two of the guys dead, uh, I think it just speaks more for the character of that person and that promotion than it does anything else. 
Well, how about this for a little bit of a, uh, a head scratcher? And th- maybe this is me just being a uh, ultimate uh, conspiracy theorist at heart. How about the fact that this was done on Tuesday and on Monday nights backstage, they would have Paul Heyman. And the fact that they didn't throw out three jobbers in the ring and called them the triple threat while Paul Heyman was in the building is also kind of a head scratcher because had they done that on a Monday night, do you think Paulie, from what you remember him and from your dealings, do you think Paulie would have taken exception to that? I, I can't speak for Paul Heyman. Uh, you know, the, the Paul Heyman that I knew was from uh, 1996, 7, 8. Uh, I haven't spoken to Paul since 2003, I think. Uh, 2002, 2003, something like that. So I really can't speak for him. Uh, you know, I, I would think the Paul Heyman that I recall would have had something substantial to say about that. Um, but, you know, the fact that he's also an, uh, an independent contractor there and, you know, his bread is buttered by <laughs> kissing ass there, literally <laughs> or figuratively, uh, I doubt you're going to get the real Paul Heyman uh, 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 feeling or belief. Uh, it's like I said, I think we've spoken way beyond – and given it far more due by speaking about it uh, for this long, uh, I just stand behind everything I've said about the company. And I, before I go any further, I want to state emphatically, I'm not taking a shot at any of the talent in that company or saying anything condescending about the company. Uh, I wish all of those kids would have had the opportunity to work in the industry when I did, when there were three big companies and you could move back and forth. Uh, WWF doesn't want you, maybe NWA or WCW does. If they don't want you, maybe ECW does. Uh, or even before that, when there was a territory system where it wasn't betrothed to one person, uh, when arenas across the country on a nightly basis were filled, when the WWF then ran an A, a B, a C, and a D town, and now they can barely fill an A-town and really can't do that anymore. Uh, I don't blame that on the kids. I blame that on the company and the way they've conducted their business and the product they've been putting out. Look, if you put out a great product, we're all wrestling fans here, all three of us. If the show was as good as it used to be, I'd still be tuning in every week. Uh, but it's not. It hasn't been in many, many years. And as long as I hung in hoping that the show might get back on track at some point, much like many of the fans, the multi-millions of the fans, tens of millions of fans that have tuned out. I think that is as sad an epitaph to our industry as can be, and as reflective on the last company standing as can be. So, you know, you have to ask yourself who's been harmed more by the lack of, uh, competition. He signed a few big contracts recently as something that still befuddles me. But my question is what next? Because I, I can't for the life of me believe after I read, uh, from Fox that they plan on launching with 3 million fans and average three and a half million fans per week, whatever it is they're smoking. Please send some my way because they haven't <laughs> seen ratings like that in a long, long time. 
And I doubt that because they're moving to Fox and on a Friday night that they're going to see ratings like that anytime soon. So I hope that the $1.2 billion that Fox spent was money wisely invested. Uh, I'd be curious as to whether or not Fox has an escape clause from that. And if not, I wonder if Fox will renew that contract in five years. Time will be the time will tell us, won't won't it? I feel like all those big networks definitely have some sort of escape clause. Obviously, USA has been dealing with the WWE, WWF for, you know, forever. So that relationship is probably different. I have a strange feeling. I, I think that Fox probably has some sort of cancellation button or, or something along the lines that they do with their normal TV programming. If not, there, there, there's some ulterior motive. uh, be my guess. Um, Okay, I don't have any inside information on this, but it would seem to me that to, to lay out that kind of money, at, and NBC Universal the same thing. You know, they, they, you know, we've all heard, or at least I think we all heard. I say we all like, like I guess the whole world hears the same things I hear. But you know, I know that there was a lot of tension between NBC Universal and WWE because of the way they were so quickly posting things up to the uh, network. And, you know, I, I come from a time when, like, for instance, uh, in Pittsburgh, UWF is there on Thursday nights. And long after I had outgrown the WWF product at that point, I still watched it occasionally, but I was much more a UWF fan. And on Thursday nights, uh, I could tell you, thir- it came on at 7 o'clock on Thursday nights. I could tell you at 8 p.m. on Thursday night where I was going to be next Thursday because I was damn sure going to be tuning in to see the next episode of UWF in Pittsburgh next Thursday at 7 p.m. I just don't see that same kind of, you know, a verve in the audience and looking at it from the paradigm of today where I filmed something I can now post it on my own personal network 30 seconds from now, a minute from now, 10 minutes from now, 10 hours from now. How that pays off then for the television network. Uh, I, you know, I, I've got two boys that are 12 and 17 years old. So completely representative of today's younger generation. Whereas I grew up watching television uh, back in the days with rabbit ears and then cable and all the rest. My boys' generation does not do the same. They scarcely watch television like you and I think of television. They watch most of their content on their phone or on their tablets or on their computers. And they watch it when they want, where they want, when they have time. It's not like Thursday night, I got to be there to watch UWF. And so if I'm NBC Universal or I'm Fox, saying, okay, well, we're going to shoot these programs and pay all this money for the nose for, even though the ratings seem to be dropping off a cliff, then he's going to post it on his network some very short scan amount of time. I think uh, when the beef started with uh, WWF or WWE and uh, NBC Universal, they were posting it about 10 minutes later. Uh, and that caused great consternation in NBC Universal because they're selling sponsorship time. They're selling commercials. 
So if you can now bypass that and just go to the network for 10 bucks a week and watch that, why tune in to NBC Universal stations if you can do that? And only 10 minutes later. Um, so there, look, none of us are ever going to hear the, the, the facts or truth on this. These are in the contracts that have been signed. But I lay a bet down now, and I may be wrong. I've been wrong. It may shock you, but I've been wrong before in my life a few times. But I'd be willing to bet that next year at this time, the ratings are below where they are now. The year after that, below where they are then. And the year after that, below where they were the subsequent two years before. So you have to ask yourself, in five years, where will television ratings in general be? If they continue to slide like they are, and I don't see why they wouldn't, everything's going more technological. We see the rise of Hulu, Netflix, Apple, all the rest of these entities. I, I don't see why there would suddenly be this turnaround in cable television and network TV ratings suddenly shoot up to the roof. So, like I said, let's all sit back, pop some popcorn, and let's watch the fall of the company that once was the NFL of our industry. Now, I have to bring this up because I was thinking about the triple threat, and then I was watching that, you know, that team, if you will, that WWE creation, those three jobbers, and I'm just watching them thinking to myself, like, they're missing something. These guys are young, they're green, but they are hungry, and I think they could use some sort of guidance. What are your thoughts? Do you think that you could help these three guys form the real triple threat, or, or are you, uh, <laughs> are they going to be hated for life for, uh, from you? I, I don't hate anybody doing that. You know, you do what your boss tells you to do. Um, I, again, I, I didn't watch the show. I'm not just saying that as a, as a cliche. I haven't watched. I haven't watched it in some time. Uh, I do periodically check out some things online, but as, as you guys both know. I've been pretty busy for the last week, 10 days and, uh, with other things at hand. And I, I haven't had a chance to see it and look at it. I probably won't. Um, so I, I have no personal feel will towards any of these kids. They do what their boss tells them to do. Like you, you do, you guys both go to work. Uh, I did any job I ever had. Uh, you know, you do what your boss tells you, but uh, you know, if I was a young talent, uh, trying to break into the business today, I, I, you know, I, I'd be maybe taking a step back to take a look to catch the forest through the trees, um, because something was the biggest entity ten years ago and five years ago and last year, maybe still today, doesn't necessarily mean that it will be tomorrow, next week, next month, next month or next year. Uh, the one thing that's certain about time is. Time changes everything. And I've seen it in my career. If you'd have asked me when I was first breaking into the business, I could have never guessed that it'd be sitting where it sits today. I would have never harbored the guess. If you'd have, after I broke into the business and, and had learned what I had learned, uh, all that I had learned in, in the near 40 years that I've been in the business, I would have never harbored this guess. So I, I'm doubting that some three young kids in the business today could possibly have any inkling as to figure out that uh, same thing. Uh, you know, the old saying, young and dumb, young and dumb is stupid. Young and dumb means inexperienced and haven't, haven't lived life. Uh, so no, I, I harbor no ill will towards these guys. 
who knows, maybe one day uh, uh, some promotion out there will be utilizing those three kids to shove it a little bit further up some Irishman's ass uh, <laughs> than, than he, he might have expected. It's Turnaround is always fair play, isn't it? Absolutely. And Chad was telling me, thinking about different triple threats, Chad was telling me he thought there was a triple threat in XPW when you were there as well. Was there a, a, a version of the triple threat in XPW? I don't remember much about ECW. Uh, you know, it was, I was there for, I believe less than a year. Uh, I know that Chris and I had a Candido had a uh, short program there. Uh, but I don't remember much else about it other than you know, a lot of headaches. <laughs> so <laughs> Makes sense. I mean, I, yeah, no, that's look, it, we can, we can beat you over the head with this till the cows come home. It, it's shocking that. From a fan's perspective, Shane, I know you, you, we, we keep kind of touching back to the same point, but from the fan perspective, the outrage that we read on Twitter that night, that matched on our side. I mean, we, we really took it to heart. And what you've said tonight, I mean, it's kind of I, I kind of thought you would say something along the lines of this. Um, what they did, they did, doesn't make it right, but at the end of the day, it's their television show. They can do what they want, just like if you had a television show – you could do what you want, just like if I did. I could do what I want. John, you could do what you want. It's it, whatever. There's nothing we can do about it at the end of the day. But with those three kids, you know, whether they're going to have a stigma going forward, whether they're on social media posting about it, I don't know. I didn't even hear what their identities were. Usually you, you kind of hear, oh, it's this guy from this independent organization. I haven't heard that about these guys. But what kind of advice do you give to young greenhorns like that? Is it? Follow the directions. Keep your mouth shut and your eyes open. What kind of advice do you give to guys like that that are picked to be enhancement talents and maybe given that kind of a stigma of being named after, you know, one of the the greater stables in a promotion's history? Well, the advice, not just younger kids, everybody in the business, I would give the advice, do what your bosses tell you to do. Uh, Make that money as you can. And never, ever, no matter what is offered or put in front of you, never, ever kiss another man's bare ass. Now, Shane, we do have your favorite AFA, Ask Franchise Anything. And it came in by email from Chris S. Now, since this is a triple threat episode, and we're trying to keep it mostly triple threat. I feel like, you know, this has to be mentioned, of course. But here, uh, here's the question. Shane, in 1997, the triple threat um, – sorry, lost my uh, paper here. Here we go. In 1997, the triple threat was, was going on with uh, Candido, Bam Bam, and yourself with Francine. When Bam Bam turned, was that always the game plan to have you guys get back together, or was there something else planned for the triple threat? Uh, no, the, the, the triple threat was – that incarnation, you know, when, you, when something's working, working, you, you, you don't fix it. Um, and that incarnation was working well. Uh, the pro, I, it wasn't even a problem. I think from Paul's point of view, uh, and and to be honest, I never had this discussion with Paul. But I think from his point of view, and looking back at it, as I look at it now and see it like bookended, Bam Bam was such a such a dominant guy. You know, that really had never been given his due. And 
and I think because of, you know, keep in mind at that point we had Rick Root in and his stated goal being in the ECW was to fuck with the franchise. And we did this slight little softening of that towards the whole Bam Bam angle uh, where there was sort of like a chemistry starting to begin between Rick Root and Shane Douglas and uh, the franchise. And then out of no place, when he comes out and says, I've got your opponent for you this week and Bam Bam comes out. I don't think that anybody saw, you know, the greatest belt turns are the ones that nobody sees coming. You know, it's like when you read a book or see a movie, you don't want to figure out on page one who did it. And you don't want to figure out in the first five minutes when you spent 40 bucks on popcorn, uh, who did it. You want to get right to that end and get swerved and get surprised. And I think when most people that night saw Bam Bam Camp come out, I think they figured he's going to come out. He's going to lay down for the franchise. And when in what three minutes he power bombed me like a piece of trash and just pinned me, I think it caught everybody so off guard, which is the way wrestling is supposed to be done. That it caught everybody so off guard, and then because of Bam Bam's stature, nobody could see even the Pittsburgh fans coming there a month and a half later, month five weeks later, that. This belt's gonna. I, I think they figure well. You know, the hometown guy's gonna go out and elevate the champion, and it, it it was perfect booking by Paul Heyman, absolutely perfect booking. And I must say, Bam Bam played his role so professionally and so perfectly that his promos into that were some of the best promos I've ever seen Bam Bam do, and, and believe you know, everything Bam Bam did was believable. But those promos, maybe I was looking at them because it, it was like he was talking to me in those promos. Uh, I believed them. I bought it, you know. And and uh, it's, it's from the pop that you see in those fans at the Golden Dome. Seems like they certainly bought it. Uh, perfect booking, you know. So no, there there was no plans to ever break up that incarnation of the Triple Threat that I'm aware of. It was simply a great swerve by Paul Heyman as. Paul Heyman was so prescient and perfectly could do so perfectly with his booking uh, to take the fans way out to the left and at the last second swerve right. Uh, I'm proud to have been part of it because uh, A, I was working with a guy that I really, really loved as a brother. Uh, That's the first part. The second part was the booking was so perfect, you know, that you know, Paul had 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 written out this storyline that none of us could read through. You know, as we were going through it, I, the night that I dropped the belt to Bam Bam in New York, I had no idea that I was getting it back five weeks later, whatever it was, in Pittsburgh. It just, you know, all those pieces just fell so perfectly into place, and and it took the fans on a joyride. Let's, let's keep in mind, professional wrestling is supposed to be an entertainment form. Entertainment implies it's going to take you on a ride to let you forget about your humdrum life, to forget about that boss you'd rather tell go fuck himself every day or herself every day and can't. Uh, you know, it, it's it, that's what any entertainment is supposed to do, and yet somehow wrestling has forgotten that, You know, or sports entertainment, I should say, has forgotten that. Uh, Paul did that as well as anybody I ever worked for. Uh, whether it was Bill Watts, Paul, uh, uh, Dusty Rhodes, 
Jim Crockett, uh, anybody I'd ever worked for, Paul Heyman had done it as well as anybody, if not better. And and that it, that angle is a, is a testament to that as to how you know take the fans on a ride and they'll enjoy it every time. Allow them to forget about the kids crying at home. Allow them to forget about that nagging husband or wife at home. Allow them to forget about that jackass boss they'd rather go tell fuck himself. Uh, that's that's what our industry has forgotten. Now it's watch watch my shit that I came up with in the last week and 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 see if you enjoy it. And, you know, I, from the numbers, it doesn't seem like many are. <laughs> no, not at all. And record lows, and that's where we'll kind of put the cap on it. You know, we talked about it for uh, a great length. We appreciate you sticking with us. I know uh, you wanted to move on from it a couple of times, but. We were dying to talk about it. We had to talk about it. It was uh, our duty this week because the fan response from the minute it aired, Shane, I mean, it was an absolute uh, inundation, if, if that's even a word, uh, of, of tweets and comments, just showing support for you, uh, the legacies of both Bam Bam as well as Chris Candido, and then even additionally of Chris Benoit and, and to see – the outpouring of support. Sure. It was just, it was very cool. And, uh, you know, and again, Francine's getting left out a lot in this. And Francine, obviously, I, we don't need to put her over at all. She's a, a true asset to what you guys did and um, isn't getting brought up enough in all these comments that I just uh, read a little bit earlier. But with that being said, I got to end it on a little bit of a lighter note. Um, in one of the little responses, they, they had a screen, screen grab, a little short video had to have been pulled from the WWE Network. It was a triple threat entrance, and Shane, you've said it many a times. When you take perfect strangers out of the entrance, man, does it change. Because you can't, you guys come out and you hear that do-do-do-do-do-do-do. <laughs> and I just had you going through my head as I was watching it. Just just the drizzling shit, isn't it? I mean, it's, you know, it's, uh, I was with Sam in this uh, past weekend, and we were talking about just this, and I said, you know, when... I, I, even if there was a better song that was written more perfect, I, I can't imagine one, but even if there was a better song that somebody put out that was more relevant and perfect for Sandman, Enter Sandman by Metallica has got to be the song. And, you know, I can't imagine Tommy Drew anything but Man in the Box. And, you know, with a triple threat, I can't imagine anything other than, than, than Perfect Strangers. So when you, you come out to that music, and now that the fans, because we've talked about it so much here, realize that it's just because somebody's just a cheapskate that they don't want to spend a few cents per uh, per uh, buy on the network or DVD sold that you get the do 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 do. It's it's just so cheesy. <laughs> it's so cheesy and and cheapskate. You know that it's like you know when you go to dinner. With your friends that invite you to dinner, and you get there, and and they get up and go to the bathroom, and the check comes. You know that it's like that sort of cheap to me. It's when people do that, and so it's uh, like where I sit today. I think it's a badge of honor as the fans know. First of all, to all the fans that wrote on Twitter, I will try to get on there when I get back from Australia and and respond to as many as I can. Uh, I, I I deeply, from the bottom of my heart, appreciate the response from the fans and the fact that they so quickly identified with what was going on there. Uh, but 
you know, I, I, I think the fans today are so much more, uh, I'll use the, the business very smart to what the industry uh, is putting out there today that, you know, that was where Paul Heyman really excelled was that he could figure out what it was the fans thought they were going to get and take them someplace else, swerve them. And the fans loved it, as we can see in the history and legacy of ECW. I wonder if 20 years from now, any of the kids or the 55 up that seem to be the predominant group watching uh, <laughs> that company today, I wonder if they'll be talking about, hey, do you remember when they, when, when they did that segment called the triple threat? Uh, I don't know. I mean, again, time will tell, but my guess is, my educated guess, is taking a stab in the dark here is that these fans, the, the few that are still watching today, won't even remember that segment, let alone comment about it. So uh, I just stand by the comments I've always made. It is time for competition in the industry. Uh, the, the near 50 million that have tuned away since the three companies went out of existence and became one. Uh, leaving scarcely 2 million fans watching. Uh, if I was, like I've said it before, if I was selling what's-my-call-its uh, or gizmos, I'd rather be selling what's-my-call-its or gizmos to the 50 million that have left as opposed to the 2 million and dropping that are, that are still watching. Uh, it's, it's sad for me to watch the industry decline like this, but it's this kind of decline that gives rise to other opportunity. Absolutely, and uh, just got to throw in here really quickly uh, from the Stooge report that somebody did send in uh, a, a clip that WWE.com did did actually showcase you defeating uh, Sabu and Terry Funk at Hardcore Heaven 97 in the three-way dance uh, this past week as well. So maybe a little bit of a tip of the cap back to you. Um, but I'm sure that was purely <laughs> coincidental, but... Obviously, you know, whatever. It, it, it's been done to death. We got to get into the wrap-up here. We got a lot to uh, to cover. We will all be in Atlantic City, New Jersey this coming weekend. We will be at Boardwalk Beatdown. Yeah. It's going to be one hell of an event. Uh, there's going to be a mass amount of stars, including Staying and Bill Goldberg and Cody Rhodes and uh, the Young Bucks, as well as Two-Man Power Trip will be there with King Kong Bundy. Shane, you will be there with the Captain's Corner and JR Collectibles. And Francine will also be there as well. So it's going to be one big uh, family reunion this weekend in a great uh, great city like Atlantic City. I'm, I, I'm really pumped and looking forward to this. Uh, yeah, this uh, I leave next, this coming Monday, uh, and looking forward to this weekend because, first of all, Dominic Danucci will be with me as well. Francine going to be there. Bill Goldberg, Sting, you know, so many Cody Rhodes, so many big, big names going to be there. Uh, the, the, like I said before, these these are like family reunions to us. You know, we don't necessarily get to rub elbows with each other. I, some guys I see more than I care to see. Not many, but I, I see some guys all the time, and other guys I don't see, you know, but once or twice a year. So uh, for everybody looking at the boardwalk beat down this weekend in Atlantic City, uh, if you're on the uh, you know, the fence is the whether or not you're, you're thinking about going, this is what I wouldn't miss because these first ones out of the gates like this are the ones where you can really get intimate with the, uh, with the, uh, the, the your favorite wrestling stars and get a chance to get in there. So 
you know, the fact that I'm going to get to start spending, you know, the better part of two weeks with my trainer and mentor, uh, I'm really looking forward to. So, you know, this, uh, this Saturday in, in, uh, Atlantic city, Sunday in Batavia, New York, and then Monday off to the, uh, beautiful, uh, down under the beautiful Oz, Australia. And, uh, it's been, you know, 14 years since I've been there. So really looking forward to it. It's going to be a great two weeks. No, that's fantastic. And look, please keep track of us, uh, on the show. If you can, uh, follow us on Twitter at the three threat pod, as well as at the franchise SD at two man power trip and at wrestling pal. Uh, we will hopefully keep everyone connected, uh, with the franchise as he's, uh, playing around with kangaroos and throwing boomerangs and doing all the cliche stuff that we've always heard they do in Australia. But also, while you're taking some time, head on over to our website, tmptofwrestling.com. There you'll find the Triple Threat Podcast page, and you'll find a link to all of the great franchise merchandise that's out there, including, and how could I forget, didn't mention them off the top, and they'll kill me for that, but I, we got a lot of stuff going on. But our growing relationship with Figures Toy Company and WrestlingSuperstore.com, head on over there and purchase the franchise Shane Douglas figure, the first one in over 20 years that's been brought out to the wrestling collectors. So we are, are just absolutely growing this relationship and uh, in a big way. And and talking to uh, Chris, the guy who put all the stuff together at Figures Inc., Shane, he is, or excuse me, Figures Toy Company, he is such a huge fan of yours that uh, to see the passion that went into this line is unbelievable. So we implore you to go check those out. And please stay tuned to the Triple Threat Podcast because you never know what we're going to talk about next. So you already know where Shane's going to be this coming weekend. But Shane, take us out. Get us on the uh, the way to episode 61. And uh, we will see you on the flip side, Daddy-O. 60 big episodes. Boardwalk beat down in Atlantic City coming this weekend. Batavia, New York on Sunday. And then Australia for two beautiful weeks after that. Don't tune out. Make sure you're back for episode 61 because we've got a lot of great stuff left for you. And if you want to send a little message, just tune out from WWE for a few weeks and tell Uncle Vinny you said hello. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.